Greetings and salutations, everyone, from the red-headed preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie. Today, our message is going to be on a universal challenge, almost universal challenge, and that is anger, dealing with anger. It can be dealing with our own, which is the primary thrust of the sermon, but also dealing with anger directed at us. This message is, as I was writing it, you know, I chose a blend of scripture and some neuroscience without getting into fancy language or confusing ideas. Um, if you're able to see it on YouTube, you'll might get a, I'm using a visual with my hand. Um, but uh, hopefully I'll explain it well enough without the visual so that listeners only can can uh, can get it. And I'm sure that a number of you already understand what I'll be trying to explain. It was new to me, but I didn't take a lot of science because I struggled in natural science. I tried to drop out of physics in high school, not once, but twice, and the teacher would not let me. So I did a paper instead of a, a final project <laughs> anyway, um, so it's this that makes this message uh, unique as well. I, I rarely touch on scientific explanations, but it gets to a point of trying to prevent our anger from taking root, and that's part. It's really kind of the thrust again to use that word of the of the message that as soon as we can nip it in the bud. If we can de-escalate, at least ourselves first, if not the whole situation. So I hope, you know, this is not really a, a lecture sermon, but I, it is kind of a teaching sermon. And sometimes I just lay the scripture out there and, and, and I'm saying this is what God is calling for us to do and to be. And we need to pray about that and work on it and not, not just a little while because things can take quite a while, depending on how strong we are naturally at the gifts of patience and forgiveness. Before we go into the scriptures, which are going to be read by Karen Christensen, our Sunday School Superintendent, let's have a word of prayer covering what uh, we will be saying on October 8th and what you will be listening to, if you are so kind. Eternal God, you created us and you know what we are, what, what we're made of, what we are put together. And some of that is challenging for ourselves. It's hard for some of us to be forgiving or to stop being angry. It's hard for some of us to experience peace or joy. It's hard for some of us to stay out of other people's business. Lord, for all of these, we ask for your help. And we ask for your spirit to move as the scriptures are read and as they are listened to later, as the sermon is proclaimed and as it is listened to later. May your will be channeled and so that it is received and become something we can build on and incorporate 
and grow with because we're here for you and we're following Jesus and that means change and growth. So may this time be a time that triggers some positive grace and a positive growth and a reception of your grace, which we need every day. In the glorious and magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And now here's Karen with the scriptures. Anger, the sermon topic for this morning, is no stranger to our lives and no stranger to church either. So it's easy to see that before we listen to the words chosen for today, it makes perfect sense that we ask for illumination, for greater understanding to help us get from the Bible what we need in dealing with anger. So please, join me in the spirit of prayer for our prayer for illumination. Let us pray. For some of us, God, these words will be new to us. For others of us, we have heard them before. But in humbleness, we admit that sometimes we need to hear again, or from someone else, what we believe we already know. Move in our midst, Holy Spirit, so that those who need to hear these passages again will benefit, and also those who hear them as if for the first time will come closer to knowing your will. These blessings we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our first reading is two verses from the book of Proverbs. Chapter 16, verses 32, and 17, verse 4. One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and one whose temper is controlled than one who captures a city. The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so stop before the quarrel breaks out. That ends the reading from the Old Testament. Our epistle lesson is from the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. The writer gives some strong advice about how followers of Jesus are to handle their emotions and to let go of some of their previous ungodly practices. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with the seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. 
This ends the reading from Ephesians. Will those who are able please rise for the reading of the gospel lesson? Today is Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Some of the most challenging verses from one of the most challenging parts of the gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here ends the reading of the Gospel and our scriptures for this morning's service. May God give us a wise and generous and understanding of this God's holy word. Dealing with anger, like dealing with difficult people previous week, this isn't easy. Like last week's topic, it's so big that one sermon cannot touch on every aspect of anger. It's a powerful emotion that can prompt us to say things we wish we had not said, to do things we wish we had not done, and that these things can hurt ourselves or others, sometimes in ways that cannot be fixed. So let's begin by admitting, at least for some of us, that controlling our temper is a real challenge. I'm preaching to myself, like I do every week, as well as to any listening. And we get affirmation about this point from Scripture. I chose the two Psalms because each of them tell the truth and point us forward. I first heard Proverbs 16.32 from an elder at St. Nikolai. Dorothy will remember Sue Larson, and so will Beth. She pointed out the second half of this, the first of which, one who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and one whose temper is controlled than one who captures a city. Picture two persons, one big, muscular, young, and strong man next to a senior lady whose appearance is unmighty. The first person has a short fuse, it is easily lit. The woman is slow to anger and does not really lose her temper to raise her voice. The Bible says she is mightier than he. She is mightier than a commander who conquers a city because to control one's temper is that hard. To be slow to getting angry, to keep one's temper in check, not to say you're stuffing your anger down underneath, that's more powerful than an Olympic-sized achievement. That's how remarkable one is to have a long fuse and to be patient in tone and volume and attitude, especially when someone else comes at us 
hot and ready to spew. Proverbs 16, 32 tells the truth. Proverbs 17 does the pointing forward. The beginning of strife, a quarrel, a war, an angry dispute, is like letting out water. So stop before the quarrel breaks out. Again, think about that. The Middle East is so much desert, and you don't want to go letting water out on willy-nilly without purpose. That water can help sustain life. It helps to cook, to clean, to nourish vegetation and people. Yet to begin strife is like letting it leak out uselessly. You don't want that. What's the best way to deal with that? Try not to let it happen. Stop the quarrel, Proverbs 17 says, before. Stop it, be, stop before the quarrel breaks out. Find common ground or a just resolution before things escalate to real anger and anger then get out of hand. One who is calm of spirit and is someone gifted and or trained who might be able to mediate a dispute before it becomes a quarrel. And I mentioned this to Bill. Some peaceful souls seem to be naturally gifted, and others learn and work and grow to become calmer than they were before. The calmness of spirit can help you and me stop the water leak, prevent escalation to anger or worse. A way forward is offered by someone who lived long, long ago, writing Proverbs 17. Now, there are so many reasons that we can be angry, which, like fear, as I mentioned last week, is also one of the prevailing dynamics of our time. There's a lot of fear out there and a lot of anger out there. Someone said that 2015 was dubbed the Year of Rage, based on the number of daily tweets of outsized frustrations someone could find, and I don't know if this was through X, now Twitter, that if you go to a calendar of 2015, you pick a day, any day on the calendar, and you can see the list of all the angry tweets that were pushed out that day. So it was called the Year of Rage. Some people yell at the TV when politicians are on. More than one man in our membership watched Bears games in a room by himself from which the swearing and yelling was heard, but muffled. It was safe venting. There is longer anger growing at the increased toll on Chicago and elsewhere by this unmanageable influx of bust-in migrants and asylum seekers through no fault of their own. But it's, as I said before, it, it, right now it is, seems to be overwhelming. And the long-term anger is setting in in some communities in Chicago. You and I experience anger because we're frustrated that we seem powerless to improve a situation or a status quo. We get cheesed off at people who offend, at events that happen which we don't like. We get mad at attitudes, systems, and practices that are applied to a percentage of our population unequally like systemic racism, or violence against women, or LGBTQ plus persons. We get angry when we're attacked, ourselves or our loved ones. We lose our temper 
at being betrayed, lied to, at cruelty being visited upon helpless animals, children, at judgmental people who judge us, or a loved one of ours, in self-righteousness. Ooh, that gets some people angry. In a nutshell, anger happens to us when we do not like what is going on, we do not get what we think we should, when expectations are not met, when folks mess up at our expense, and when injustice and violence are needlessly perpetrated, like in a war. So, that's the bad news. Let's look for some good news, because that's what the church is about. How can you and I bring some patience, some compassion even, to nip angers in the bud before they become a bonfire between individuals or within groups or within the nation? What lessons might we learn? What spiritual growth can we achieve to help us stop things before they escalate to full-throated anger? Psalm 17 said to stop the strife before it begins, as you would stop a leak before it gets bad. So that sounds like before it happens, do some things ahead of time. Preparation. That's very important for us. Working on being prepared ahead of any real conflict can help us stop our anger earlier. Preparation is key to prevention. One part of such preparation, and I'll say a little bit more about this, but one uh, key to prevention that's preparation is prayer. Have you ever asked God, please help me to be patient when so-and-so gets me mad again? Help me to be calm when this happens. Have we asked God to help us keep our mouths closed and our ears open and not get angry? If we have not, it's a good place to start. It is not a good place to stop because we should keep praying that. We read in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, which are gifts from God the Spirit living within. Let's ask for these gifts to be given us and grow within us. And don't stop praying for that. Accumulatively, they will benefit us, if not immediately. Even at the moment that we feel we're about to raise our voices and let our temper fly because of our prayers, we might recall that God longs for us to be persons of peace, not returning evil for evil, or letting angry talk or evil words come out of our mouth, as Ephesians said, but taking thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If we pray for this enough, we might catch ourselves by recalling what God longs for us to be. If you and I want to be a calming, non-anxious presence when anger may burst out from us, or at us, it helps a lot if we are able to de-escalate ourselves first. That's hard for some, but it can be done. Prayer lays an essential foundation for us, but some other understandings can help too. 
Greek philosophy defined anger as a short madness. Ever try to speak, much less reason with, a person who was in the heat of a rage? Did you ever make any headway? I'll bet you had to wait until you or the other person cooled off. There's a reason we have the phrases like sleep on it. It's not just about making a decision. It can be about cooling down. Only after sanity was restored could the cause of the person's anger be safely addressed. That's a philosophical way from the Greeks. It's, It's a short madness. To get a little more scientific about it, Juna Mustad, in 2019, likened getting angry to giving a five-year-old the keys and a chance to drive your car. You would not let a young child drive a car, nor would you lock them in the trunk. Treat your anger, she said, in the same manner. Don't let it drive you, but don't be a stuffer, as in one who represses their anger who stuffs it down deep because you know it's wrong to be angry, that's unhealthy. But I can't address it here and now. Not that part of it. Returning to the science, Mustad refers to, and some of you may be familiar with this, Mustad refers to Dr. Dan Siegel's hand model of the brain. If we hold up one of our hands, the wrist is our brain stem. Our thumb is the amygdala, a subcortical subcortical region, the more emotional and reactive part of the brain. It's like the downstairs part of the brain, the big feelings, or even called the caveman part of the brain, the cerebellum, or limbic regions. Our fingers are the prefrontal cortex, the cerebral cortex, the upstairs brain, the thinking and logic center of our brain. When these fingers make a fist around the amygdala, the amygdala feels secure, and both sides of the brain are in good communication with each other, keeping things more or less in balance and under control. All parts of the brain ideally then are working in harmony. When there is a threat, real or perceived, when we are provoked to anger, it's like the five-year-old getting behind the wheel and hitting the gas. The rational prefrontal cortex fingers are upraised, out of communication now with the lower brain and unable to be that moderating logical influence. We flip out, as represented by the fingers flying up and away from the caveman big feelings part of our brain. Unreasonable anger erupts lightning fast. When the prefrontal cortex returns, it gets back online with the rest of the brain, including the amygdala, and the harmony within the brain can return. How do you support, how do you and I support the wise prefrontal cortex from that steering wheel? (laughs) So how do we keep it from, how do we let it retain the steering wheel, getting it back? For if we support, and here's the answer, if we support the regulatory fibers from the prefrontal cortex, it will help that wiser part of our brains to get back online quicker when a threat or anger response is present, while still letting anger live 
quote unquote, safely in the car. One of the practices to support our prefrontal cortex's health and ability to get back in communication with the amygdala is this. That's right. Breathe. We've done a little intentional breathing in worship here in prayers of confession. It does calm us down when we inhale, hold, and exhale. It is a physiological mode to calm ourselves down, to lower our blood pressure, maybe lower our temper. And it's not just one, you know, inhale. And it's something we can do even when we sense something might be happening. But it's also something we can do preventively ahead of time. Some people start their day with this. Another practice is to name it ourselves silently. What's going on? Name it without judgment. She's accusing me of stealing. He's calling me a liar. I'm calling her a liar. What's going on? Name it without judgment. Breathe helps the frontal cortex fibers. Naming it is part of it. And then, as she says, do it differently than get angry. Deep breath, then try to think more understandingly, kindly, compassionately about the person or persons we're getting into a quarrel with. And a following practice can be to inquire. After naming it, the deep breath and naming it and do it differently, ask, who am I, what am I trying to protect? You know, if it's fight or freeze type of, if it's a threat that this anger is coming at me or that I'm projecting, what am I trying to protect? What are they trying to protect? What do I need to see now? We can incorporate our faith into the breathing as in prayer. Naming it is being honest and accountable. It's maturity and spiritual maturity too. Naming it, being honest, this is what's going on. To do it differently is often what Jesus has shown us or told us to do. We heard it in Matthew 5 this morning and in Ephesians. And once again, prayer helps with this. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, reward of you. Be perfect. Greek means it can also mean complete. Be perfect. Be complete. Be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is setting a bar higher than those who may not know him. He's setting it higher for us who follow him. And we do have the spirit of the death-defeating Christ within us by faith. This is the level of being a daughter or son of God, it seems, when he talks about being a son or a child, your heavenly father. That those who ignore God may not share, at least in John's theology. This is Matthew. God does expect a higher way of living from us who call on Christ. 
And God also equips us so we can, so we can, so live. The Spirit lives within us partly for this. Do it differently. That's part of the hard part. It's maybe the hardest of all of these. Be angry, but do not sin, Paul wrote. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And that, if you let it go down on your anger, it can become a resentment. And that's next Sunday's message. Change. Thieves must give up stealing. Stop it. Change of behavior. Do it differently. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words, instead of being angry, may give grace to those who hear. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. We do this by the grace of God and by our efforts to draw closer to God through prayer, through worship, through service and scripture and being in community with others walking the same road. We encourage each other. We learn from each other. We, it's not easy, but it is possible. And much better than sounding off in hurtful anger. All of this is preventative, but also it's taking our it's taking faithful action quickly to de-escalate when we get our if we as we get our spirits calmed and our brains back online. We do good spiritual work to catch ourselves. And again, that's part of what takes practice of prayer and breathing and other parts I've talked about. And you may have other experiences that work for you. There are other techniques to de-escalate a conversation or confrontation that may be getting volatile. As I draw to a close, another preventive within our faith is trying to see those we are angry with as God may see them and us. We and they are equally made in God's image. We and they are imperfect, sinners in need of God's grace. As Jesus said, we are all equal under the forces of nature from God, the sun, the rain. We're all equal there, and we're all equal under Calvary's tree. As I've quoted before, Jonathan Edwards used to say that whenever someone else was caught in some sin, rather than get judgmental, he called to mind his own sins and how he was unfit to have a judgmental spirit. God's mercy is not just for us, but it is for us and them to share. As we can call on and remember that, that can help us get this back online. Dealing with anger is not easy. We benefit from some preparation ahead of time, so when angry confrontations come, we're not unaware. Remember then to pray for the strength to catch ourselves before losing our temper, to realize the science of what's happening and fortify those fibers from the upstairs part of our brain ahead of time by breath prayer, 
naming what's going on or what might be going on, being honest, doing it differently as our Jesus taught, and keep both them and us in perspective under God's judgment and God's grace. Amen. And that's a wrap for October 8th, 2023. The message and the most recent messages have been longer than normal. And I apologize for that. As I've said before, I kind of expect sermons of mine to be between 15 to 20 minutes. And when I turn off the recording, turn off my phone app for recording, I can tell that it's a few minutes over 20. So I hope that you don't mind. There's just so much to say. And sometimes I depart from my manuscript because I think of a point or a way to illustrate something that I just feel I have to fit in there. And that's definitely happened a lot in the last several several Sunday sermons. So I hope you don't mind the length. Um, there's a lot to cover and a lot, as I said, that uh, a sermon like this cannot cover because it is such a broad topic and a deep topic. Next week, a similar subject, which I think I've already mentioned in the intro, is resentment on resentments. And um, to give you just a preview, as I indicated in the sermon today, that when we hold on to our anger, that's what they often become, resentments, um, barnacles of bitterness that stick to the hull of our spirit. I hope I remember that phrase for next Sunday's uh, sermon preparation because that just came to me and I kind of like it. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. May God help you deal with anger coming from you or coming at you. And may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.